All right, guys. So I was sitting down at my table the other day, and we were playing a game of D and D. As as I do, uh, my wife says way too much. Um, and with those two out, right? separate separate <laughs> statements, you play a lot of D and D. Period. My wife says too much because that's what it sounded like. No, 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 no. She says I play too much D and D. Anyways, okay. uh, but I'm soldiering on regardless. And I turned to one of the players. It's a little one shot that I'm building. I turned to one of the players and I told him to do a roll with disadvantage. And lo and behold, the 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 jerk rolled two natural twenties right off the bat. Yeah, that's BS. That it. I don't think that's allowed. In like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I, so so I have I have a quick little question for you. How far? Because we were talking about sorcerers and stuff today, and, yeah. and the wild magic with their random tables and whatnot, kind of bring a little bit of randomness into a game. How far into like how far do you go when someone just? completely explodes your expectations with a roll. Well, I mean... This is a roll that you're not going to get. You're rolling, it's a hard DC, and you have disadvantage. So how far do you sort of blow it up and, and exactly. make it super... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's D&D's all math. That's a one in a million chance. That's about 1% of it happening. Um, so that's one in a million, Dave, I think, right? Yes. Sure. <laughs> so, um, I no, I think because it's so rare, I think you really blow it up and you make it something awesome that's happened they whether it be an attack roll they just hit some mega pressure point and give them some extra buffs or let them r- roll max damage on the dice and then double that uh but i think because of how rare it is i think you should reward people especially reward them very well because you give them disadvantage and they got two natural 20s well i come from a 3.5 background and we never did disadvantage or advantage or anything like right. that when we would roll it if you'd roll a natural 20 you have to confirm the critical which means you got to roll another d20 and if you hit the ac then the critical is successful on the off chance that you would roll a second natural 20, that's when, like, the weird once-in-a-lifetime rule comes into play. Yeah. Where Which, you roll a third d20, and it doesn't do anything unless it hits a natural 20 again. And you get three nat 20s in a row, it's an insta-kill. No matter what it is. But it's not, like, a regular insta-kill. It's, like, there's no coming back from it. It's, it like, is, a, it's like a death star. You kill their so. soul. I did this to a player as a DM one Part, time. What? To a player? To a player. Well, yeah. they no. deserve it. So. I like to point well, out. it's my friend Guppy. He's at a company. Rolling two D20s and coming out with a natural 20 on both of them. One right after the other or at the same time. Oh, it's <coughs> like infinitesimal. Is a 0.25% chance. Man. It's one in 400 chance. No, I don't think it's quite that much, but 0.25% is still a lot. No, it's one. In, it's one in four hundred chance. I don't think that's how it works. Math. That's that's how it works. <laughs> Anyways, you were saying you did this to a player, and uh, he was a warforged. We were playing an Eberron campaign because yep. that's pretty much. You really all like I your Eberron. I love Eberron. I haven't looked at fifth edition Eberron yet, but it's pretty decent. Three point five is great. I love the steampunk aspect. I had in a... the same campaign that I killed the guy. I think he was uh, on the top of a train fighting when he was killed. We also crashed an airship, and we also did stuff with submarines. So, like, the the overall world is just... there's I, I like it. It's I think I would like Eberron. I think I would have Eberron, but map it according to, like, the regular world that we know. So it would be, like, London would be steampunky in Eberron. You know, I, I would love to do a campaign like that. But I... Sorry, Dave, I threw you off there. No, that's all right. Uh, no, it was great. He didn't explode into blood and mush, but wood and sparks. I spent uh, two hours sitting down with a bunch of DM buddies of mine and just nerding out about the Artificer that just got released. I didn't let them play the Artificer. My two rules were you can't be a Mystic Thirds because that's crap. 
and you couldn't Disagreed, be an artificer okay. because that's also crap. We also never did psionics, but I think that's pretty. No, Sam just gave me an idea of playing D and D with five DMs and one player, and the player is the one running it. We call that the doppelgangbang. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm writing it down right now. Oh god, doppel. That says gang. That's fine. I'll know what it means. Gangbang. Five DMs, one player. Anyway, on that bombshell, let's roll those credits. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am Terry, and with me as always is Dan, but not always is Dave. Hello. Intern Dave. And today we're talking about... Sorcerers. Ah, yeah. Another class feature. Are you are you guys excited about sorcerers? Sorcerers uh, have traditionally been one of my favorite classes to play in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I So, okay. Had this discussion with... Uh, we mentioned it in the cold open. Has uh, sat down with a bunch of my DM buddies. Um, there's always that one player in the group that will drop the fireball off. They're playing a sorcerer, because of course they are. Mm-hmm. And they will hit that fireball in the middle of the group with Abandon. Like, you'll have your fighter, your paladin, your rogue, your monk, all kind of swarming around the boss. And that's when the sorcerer thinks it's a good time to drop a fireball. I was that guy. The I first was that time sorcerer. I ever played Dungeons and Dragons, Dan, was at your place like 15-whatever <laughs> years ago. Something, yeah, a while ago. And we spent so much time rolling up characters and learning how to do it. And this is 3.5, so it was a little different. But we walk into a spire, spider cavern. Classic. And Dan goes, oh, fireball. And lights all the cobwebs and everything on fire and kills everyone except himself. So the very first time we played, Dan killed everybody else That's in the party not like Dan. with a sorcerer. Really? Oh, that that is Dan. very much like Dan 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. You're such a I simplified murder hobo. <laughs> you created it. <laughs> created in Canada. I love it. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about. Uh, we'll talk about sorcerers. So we'll go through the generic sorcerer a little bit. We'll talk about um, their their ge- general abilities they get, the, the flavors and archetypes and stereotypes. Um, so it won't be too much rolling at first, but after that, then we'll start to talk about our own little subclasses that we've got, and eventually we'll start to give some unique uh, some unique flavor ideas. <coughs> Damn it, Dan! <laughs> so you got. So I've actually never played a sorcerer. As never. Much, as much as I, I love sorcerers. Spoiler alert! I love wild magic sorcerers. The idea of them. So guess what's coming up later on for me. <laughs> um, but uh, but 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 I really love the idea of them. So you guys have had much more experience with them. So so correct me if I'm wrong on anything, or if uh, or if there's something you'd like to input. But but sorcerers, their their magic is coming naturally. It's within their body. It's unlike a warlock where they're taking power from a, from a patron and they're making deals. It's unlike a wizard where they have they have learned and studied the arcane ways so that they can manipulate magic. It is imbued within them. They have this natural ability, and with that comes this this general idea that it's a bit more chaotic. That it's bursting to come out. That they not necessarily that they can't always control it, but uh, they feel compelled to use it. Yeah, and also I hear that there's almost like a like a rivalry between wizards and sorcerers, almost like an, an envy from wizards that the sorcerers have this natural ability uh, to use magic. Is that something that's always been there? That's always been the way. Uh, in three point five, uh, I'm going to lean on three point five a lot on this. Yeah, side. yeah, you are. Um, I'm glad Adam's <laughs> not in the room. Uh, no, in three point five, I mean they were what is called a spontaneous caster. Right. They would get their, correct me, it's been a while since I played 3.5, Dave, so you'll have to correct me how this, uh, if I'm wrong here. Um, they, you selected what spells they knew, and then um, they, it was a far smaller selection, 
and then they would be able to cast those certain amount of times per day. Certain amount of times per day, but their number of times per day were far higher than a wizard. Um, although their selection was far more specialized. Yeah, right? the wizard is if it's in your book, you could pretty much yeah. use it, right? Yeah, but yeah. They, they didn't have a lot of times per day. Whereas a sorcerer was just like casting for days. Like they had about a 10 minute workday rather than the traditional five minute workday. So what are we? What would you argue is their important stats? They're a charisma based spellcaster. So charisma, mm-hmm. you know, if you're playing, even I would say, and I don't like the idea of min-max, I'm saying if you're charisma spellcaster, bump that stat up, that makes mm-hmm. sense. But what do you guys consider to be the next important stat? Dexterity. Okay, so at hit dice, 1d6 per sorcerer level, would we agree that that's fair, just like wizards? All spellcasters. That's what they, yeah. that's what they, that's what they deserve, and rightly so. That's one of the reasons why I would also probably, just by the nature of sorcerers, bump up their con a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, armor proficiencies, none. Weapon proficiencies, daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, light crossbows. Okay. Anything you'd like to add? There, I like the idea of, like, I don't know, like, give him a scimitar or something. It's kind of cool, but... I love the idea of having a crossbow. So often, you're sitting there as a sorcerer in the back, and, you know, you've only got a couple of big damage-dealing spells and a couple other little, like, funny trick spells. Yeah. But you've got nothing that can just consistently do, Yeah. you know, six to eight damage that doesn't cost a spell. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have that. This is the smallest selection of weapon and it proficiencies Why not just give them that any weapons? class in the book gets. Why not just give them simple weapons, you think? Because do you think it's because they're so powerful they need to be restricted? Like, you can't just give kind of, everybody simple weapons? Well, if you, if you consider, um, it, do you guys approach sorcerers like like mutants in in the Marvel Universe where some traumatic events happens and that's when their spell-like abilities start to pop out or... Are they popping out of the womb with some sort of minor spell-like ability? Or is it like when they get to a certain age? Or a certain age, does yeah, yeah. it uh, well, come out with puberty? puberty I like the or... idea of when they age, because it kind of coincides as when they level, they get stronger as well. It's yeah. like maybe they're when they're younger, they don't. Or maybe the signs of a really powerful sorcerer is that when they're young, their powers are really strong. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like having just the, the five weapons that they can use because... Those are kind of like the everyman weapon. Yeah, they a- really are. Anybody can use a dagger. Yeah. Anybody can use a quarterstaff. Maybe not a sling. I'm but, kind of I mean, concerned like light crossbow. Club. Not here. I think club should be here. Anything is a club, Dan. You, you yeah, but yeah. club is an actual weapon. I mean, they got a quarterstaff. And, and all of these things. It's just a two-handed club that yeah, they used to walk suggest, with. I don't know. It doesn't suggest finesse, really, does it? No. Uh, club. Um, tools, none. Yeah, whatever. Um, saving throws, constitution, <laughs> charisma. Uh, and skills choose two from Arcana, Deception, Insight, Intimidation, Persuasion, and Religion. So we've got right. all of the uh, charisma-based ones there. I have two issues with the list of spells. Okay. Uh, list of skills. Skills. One. Um, religion? religion. Why religion? Why religion? Yeah. I, I understand maybe if you're playing a divine soul, religion would be important. Um, or if you have some sort of weird aspect. But you get your abilities from... Either an aberration or, or or some sort of arcane influence in your bloodline way back. Yeah. Right? Um, whether it be a dragon or an aberration or, you know, magic is just randomly spewing forth from you. Re- having knowledge of deities and gods and, and, and it's undead. Not, it's not necessary. Doesn't yeah. fit to yeah. me. Um, and I understand they're the spellcaster. They should have no, uh, bonus knowledges, but they're not the intelligent spellcaster. They shouldn't have the religion. Yeah. I dislike having a religion. And the, uh, you said there was a second one. Second one, insight. Um, I don't like, like, I, I don't like that they get insight mostly because I don't see the sorcerer being like, I understand that they're trying to give them 
more it's because charisma conversational yeah but insight's wisdom oh no insight is charisma isn't it insight is wisdom oh is it yeah okay so it just does not fit with what us what they kind of build the sorcerers up to be these like these powerful arcane fonts that this energy is pouring through them yeah build them up to be that like why i intimidation 100 percent deception you got to hide from your skills yeah Mm -hmm. but why is stealth not there or why is survival not there because let's be honest if some random kid is getting um you know showing magical powers in a country bumpkin family they're throwing him out on his ass yeah right so why is survival not there why why not have um i don't know acrobatics or athletics yeah i can see i I, I think there could be arguments for those, but my biggest thing that you said is the argument against religion. That is, that's the one I'm siding with more. The others, yeah, possibility there's an argument for it, but I just don't understand the religion, the religion side of it. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what's special with sorcerers then, with regards to sorcery points. So sorcery points is there. Every class has their thing that they can manipulate and add on to. Um, so spellcasting. Um, they, as they increase in level, they get to uh, use more and more sorcery points, and sorcery points can be used to manipulate their magic in certain ways. This is what I love about Warlock with their um, with their invocations as well, is you can manipulate your spells. And I love this with Sorcerer. I thought that was going to make a lot of noise. <laughs> no, it was him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so as you go further down the line, use your sorcery points and you can manipulate your spells a little bit. You can make them go further away. You can make yeah. them go also. This is the big thing and they add this all. They are all about their meta magics, which mm-hmm. in previous editions was the wizard's big thing. I, yeah. I love this edition for this. Yeah. Right. Uh, they, they've really made it. So the, the sorcerers, they focus on this kind of lower amount of spells and being able to just use them in more situations by bringing in sorcery points. Because otherwise, I mean, your first two levels, you're just getting basic spell casting. Yeah. Um, and your sorcerer's origin uh, starts right all the way at first level. Yeah. Which is also something weird. So I mean, let's uh, let, let's go through the let's go through the uh, the sorcery point options just real quickly. Cool. Uh, in fact, in fact, I'll just par- point out a couple of my favorite ones. Um, so the the quicken spell, I like the idea of. This is why sorcerers are so good as spellcasters because there's so many variables that you can adjust as a character. As a, for the DM, it's very hard to predict what you're going to do. If you if you're able to quicken your spells, which means you can now cast a, a spell that would normally take one action as a bonus action, you're able to do things extra things now on your turn that the DM may not have been able to predict. Or if you can extend the distance of your spell. Or if you can empower your spell but you're adding on damage now. So Or you get a second spell. Like you get a second spell. Mm-hmm. That's infinitely useful. There's a lot of variables here. See, with the wizard, yeah, there's a lot of different spells, but the DM over time, you'll kind of learn the favorites that they go to. You'll learn their kind of role within the combat. You know, if you've got a paladin, a couple of tanks or whatever, and so, you know, a rogue and a, and a wizard... With a sorcerer, there's so many variables that you can manipulate. It's very hard to predict what they're going to do. And I think it makes for a very chaotic game. Chaotic combat, definitely. And that's what I like. I like throwing a bit of chaos in there. You guys know how I play, where I like to manipulate the environment and throw darkness in randomly and silence and stuff. Yeah. So I love this idea of sorcery points and being able to manipulate the spells. Yeah. I also really like the idea that you can uh, spend your sorcery points to uh, generate spell slots if you need to. Um, and you could also convert spell slots into sorcery points. Yeah, you could do I really it. Like you could either reverse way. engineer. I like that yeah. too, but it, it seems a lot more expensive for what you're getting as opposed to the mag- using it for a metamagic feat. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I. But I mean, when you need that, you know, fifth level magic missile, you need that fifth level magic missile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, you it, need it, that guaranteed hit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. good when you need it, but it just doesn't. This is one of those slow rolls with the classes that you see, and with a lot of the spellcasters, where this one ability that starts off at, I mean, you get you get fonts of magic, which is where your sorcery points come from. Mm-hmm. At second level, you get it really early. This becomes your go-to. This is your big resource that you're managing, and it just gets better and better and better every and time. So hard. I mean, there's some really good ones as well. Uh, the subtle spell is one of my favorite ones. So now you can cast the spell without any somatic or verbal components. So yeah. nobody cares if you're uh, if you're if you're tied up, your hands behind your back, or whatever the DM is throwing at you. You've been ambushed or whatever. You can still cast those spells. Can still launch that fireball. So I, I love uh, I love sorcerers because they're just so chaotic. They're just difficult to manage for a DM. Mm-hmm. But for a player, you can really embrace that. Yeah. Which what the one I didn't like cool. was empower. Okay, tell me why you didn't like empower. Uh, no, again, I'm used to three point five. Right. And empower was you do one and a half times damage. Right. In this one, you just get to reroll your damage dice, so it could come out a little weaker. Yeah. Than what I would be used to. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, I guess it's. Uh, when useful. are you going to do it though? I'd probably reroll in ones and twos. If it's three or higher, I'm probably yeah. just going to leave it. Yeah, know? it's just it, you have to roll a lot of ones and twos in order for it to be real practical. Yeah, yeah. The power of the empowered uh, spell meta magic is the fact that you can pair it with other meta magics. That's where a lot of that power comes from. So not only are you re-rolling damage dice, but you're also throwing distance on there. Mm-hmm. or you're th- uh, So you're making that spell that has a range of touch, say like a um, shocking grasp or something, mm-hmm. you're making that a 30-foot long spell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now you have a multiple D, I think it's D8s in this edition, um, shocking attack with advantage at a long range, and you're rolling multiple dice. Um, and I'd like to also point out with Empower, I love Empower, by the way. In this edition, I love it. Yeah, I, I, because you spend one dice to re- be able to re-roll any number of those dice up to your Charisma modifier, which is your main casting stat. Yeah, true. So it's minimum three. I suppose if you're going to like go out and try to blow your whole load in one go um, and you fail miserably, that it really... Helps. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's kind of an oh chip button, but I'm kind of like you on this one, Terry. I love subtle spell. Yeah. Um, and I love it mainly for a oh shit button. Your entire class is based off of this magic coming with uh, from within. Uh, so if you are bound in prison because I don't know, you guys started a bar fight and killed one of the bouncers or yeah. something along those lines, and you're bound in prison. Your sorcerer still has options. Your wizard's fucked. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Hence the rivalry. I like it because, um, and I think this gets overlooked too often for my liking, but I like, even though it's a fantastical game, I like to throw some realism in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can then cast a spell without having to roll a stealth check or re-roll a stealth check. So if you're hiding in the shadows, I think too often people are casting spells. And I'm like, what's the components of that? Verbal. Okay. So you're, you're saying the word abracadabra or whatever. I, I hear this all the time on... Uh, um, actual plays and it drives me insane where they're like having an intense conversation with a bunch of guards and they all white walk up to that one person who's kind of helming the conversation and cast guidance on them. Yeah. It's like, no, you're standing in front of a bunch of guards and you start r- waving your fingers in arcane pattern and speaking in abyssal in front of them. Yeah, yeah. You're getting a crossbow bolt to the throat. How do you guys <laughs> imagine 
the magic as well. Just as a side note, do you imagine it Lord of the Rings style Gandalf where you don't really see the magic, you just see the, the, the world being manipulated, like someone just flies backwards? Or do you imagine it like World of Warcraft style where there's big clocks and things appearing and kind of purple lettering and stuff in this guy? Um, so if somebody starts to cast a spell, do you see it? I So the way I view it is if you look at, huh, if you look at lightsabers, this is going to be weird, but right, stay we with me here. You have your original trilogy and uh, even your prequel trilogy lightsabers. I just watched and they're Attack very, of the Clones. Uh, of course you did. You, Not they, Attack of the Clones. What's the third one? Attack of the Clones. Oh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that one. Was it? No. Uh, Rise of the, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, yeah. Rise of the Sith? Yes. Okay. No, Revenge. Okay, cool. Revenge of the Fifth. I, I, I banished those movies from my... Oh, you're missing out. It's a, it's a meme goldmine. <laughs> uh, it really, truly is. But anyways, you look at those movies and you see these weapons. They're delicate. They're uh, intricate. And the blades that they produce are very clean and, and uh, like, pure, yeah. right? They're, they are beams of light. You watch the new trilogy that's coming out. Your your uh, the sequels. The sequels. Yeah. And the lightsabers that like Kylo Ren is using drips. It's raw and it's you're right. And it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's you're it's right. very rough. And this is the kind of way I view it. Um, your wizards are going to, to have louder. very delicate spell casting. They're the ones that are going to have these intricate runes spinning in it's front like of magical them. finesse. It's very magical finesse, right? And yeah. they have spent years upon years of hard study to be able to do it. Your sorcerer is accidentally throwing things up. Yeah. Right? So, uh, your sorcerer is going to sit there and he's he, uh, he's going to cast a fireball. Literal fire is going to spew from his hands and become a fireball. Stop pouring as it goes, on the floor. And right? Stuff. And there's going to be uh, uh, slag pouring on the floor as it goes. Yeah. It's right? like the difference between Cyclops and Havoc. That's how I kind of remember. Precisely. Yeah. 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 And and the, this is the way I kind of view it is there's, there's chaos and order in the sorcerer wizard yeah. dichotomy right and then if you like to play that more ordered uh very collected and um intelligent character you're gonna go towards this but if you like just the raw power of a spellcaster you're yeah. gonna go sorcerer absolutely one thing i forgot to mention that i want to i want to touch on just before we move on uh saving throws are um charisma and constitution charisma seems to make sense yeah Constitution. I have a defense. Okay, go. My defense for constitution is you are born with these powers and they are yeah. constantly going off. You have learned to weather the th- crap that your body you randomly have throws ar- out. Arcane chaos flowing through your veins yeah. at all times. Yeah, you yeah. you can take a bit of poison every now and again. You'll be fine. Do you have any argument on that? No, I like it. Good. <laughs> you agree far too much for this podcast. The idea. <laughs> well, I'm not the other host. <laughs> okay, that's right. You're, you're the wizard to the sorcerer of Adam. <laughs> okay, guys, so as we approach uh, topic two here, we'll start to roll some dice in just a second. We got right onto sorcery points. A couple of things I want to mention before we go in. Starting at level one, this is where your um, you get to uh, your sorcerer's origin begins. So you get to choose your bloodline of where you come from, whether it be wild magic, draconic bloodline. Important things to note is you get four cantrips and you are a charisma-based spellcaster. Mm-hmm. So I want to lay that out there from the start. So as we go into our subclasses... Everybody knows what yeah. we're talking. All the way through, sorcerers get more cantrips than anybody else. Than get than anybody else. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk more about that in in, uh, in detail in just a second. But before that, let's hit our commercial. 
Hey guys, Dan here with Adam. Um, normally this is a commercial spot, but because year one of the It's a Mimic podcast has surpassed all of our expectations because of you guys and uh, the interactions we've had with you guys, this community that's built up around this podcast, we really wanted to reach out to you guys and give you kind of a taste of what year two is going to be like. It's going to be even better. So normally we do lore episodes and uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to start looking at the popular campaign settings that have been published already for fifth edition. Our world building series that we've had through year one is changing to be a breakdown of the races in Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Yep, we're still going to do class breakdowns because we're not even halfway done the subclasses. So each class is going to get even more subclass breakdowns as we go. Some of them will even have three or four episodes because of how many they oh, have. Oh yeah. We're going to be changing our coverage of the mob mentalities and changing it to a portfolios as we break down some of the big monsters in D&D. Yep, we're also going to take our Dungeon Mastery episodes and we're going to focus more on mechanics and the nitty gritties of the game and how to use them in session. We are also still going to be continuing with our really popular Dragon Mastery episodes, but instead of covering all the chromatics, now we're covering the metallics and more. We have more actual plays coming, including sequels to some of the stuff that we've already put out there. We've got more giveaways coming this year, more mailbags, and more random specials. But most importantly, the thing that Dan and I are the most excited about is this second show that we are building. It's called The Campaign Builder, and it's Adam and I with our two completely different DM styles, kind of building inspiration for a campaign from session zero to the very end. We're going session by session, tier by tier, level by level, encounter by encounter, idea by idea, even if they suck. <laughs> yes, even the bad stuff will be in there so you can hear our foibles and how much that we are just as human human as you. We also want your interaction. It's going to be a highly interactive uh, show, and so it's going to be on the same channel. It's going to be an additional episode on the channel every week, so you're going to get to hear our voices twice. We're not apologizing for that. You're welcome. But you know where to find us, okay? But your friends don't. We have our website. It's www.itsomimic.com. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and most of the podcast catchers. But the thing that we are lacking more than anything else is the word of mouth. It really helps us. We need reviews on iTunes and every podcast catcher out there. And, and we need social media tags. So I'm kind of selling my soul to please help us get the word out because this upcoming year is just going to be more and more. It's bigger and better. And Dan is never going to sleep again. No, no, I rarely sleep now as it is. Anyways, uh, guys, thank you again so much for the success of year one. We're really looking forward to year two, but we should really take the ball gag off of Terry because he's getting itchy and we need to record. Yes, that's more excitement than I'm comfortable with. And we're back. Talking two, we're going to talk about our sorcerer subclasses. Uh, so we've each chosen one. I'm not going to give it away just yet. I already gave mine away. But we'll roll some dice. Um, we'll go in order, and then when your turn comes up, you can talk about your uh, your subclass, and we'll go through with all of your abilities. Uh, and we can even argue about some stuff you would like to. I'm going to roll a black one, because I'm, of course, Sith. Um, I'll roll the green one, because, of course, I'm Irish. Qui-Gon Jinn. I'll roll the red one, because I'm not Adam. If me okay. and you formed together, we would look like Qui-Gon Jinn. Wow. Who is my favorite uh, Wow. Would we really? Jedi. Um, He's got a beard uh, and long uh, hair. And well, most of a beard, which yeah, is unless we went like no beard and short hair, and that would just be Obi Wan Kenobi played by Ewan no, McGregor. No, sure, no, not. Uh, I don't know. Let's roll this. Oh, okay, let's do this. Oh, a three, three for Terry, a four, four, and Dan. a one, one. Dan <laughs> wins. Oh my with goodness! A four. What the hell? This wow. is what happens. We're actually not very good at Dungeons and Dragons. We red rolled a lot. Alright, so Sorcerer's Origins, which you get, of course, at first level, um, really impact your character right off the bat. Um, and when you look through the player's handbook, you see that there are only two of them. 
Um, I decided, screw that nonsense. I don't want to cover either of them. I'm going to go to one of my favorite books, Xanathar's, and grab one of my favorite bloodlines or sorcerer's origins, uh, The Divine Soul. Freaking love these guys. Okay. So, uh, a divine soul is a sorcerer who has been empowered in the past, whether it be from whatever source it is that is giving this sorcerer their power, whatever celestial touch has um, impacted this family line. This sorcerer is not only able to cast sorcerer spells, but also could choose their spells from the cleric spell list. So, is this different to cleric, as in cool. that, as in that, um, the, the the divine magic has not been given to them specifically, but it comes from their bloodline. It comes from. So their it's like bloodline. a gene that's like dormant and has emerged. Yeah. This so the way I think about it is like a, a deva or an empyrean, or your family is blessed by a god, or or. Something along those lines. Some high-powered celestial being has blessed your family so powerfully that that is pouring out of you through arcane and divine magic. Could you have a sorcerer that was the grandchild or great-grandchild of a cleric? And so that's where yeah, the, and and so and then that magic emerged again. Or as a or magic. well, you have you could have that one uh, character who is. Uh, in a family of uh, clerics or paladins, every like my father before me was a uh, pastor, and his father was a pastor, and a pastor all the way down the line, and then here comes you know, you know Bubba Joe the sorcerer mm. who comes out of the room spewing burning hands. Yeah, right. Cleansing by fire. Cleansing by fire, but also okay. Now he could also cast scorching. Uh, uh, Brick. Scorching sacred, ray. A sacred, uh, sacred blast. Oh, so I, th- I thought you were going to say scorching ray. Scorching ray was an overweight stripper in my town when I was younger. But anyway, go on. That's terrible. So, anyways, wow. um, right out the <laughs> gate at first level, you get access to divine magic, which uh, allows you to uh, choose a new spell um, from both the cleric spell list or the spe- uh, sorcerer spell list. You could choose from either one. And if you know anything about the cleric spell list, it's huge Mm -hmm. and has a lot of fun toys to play with um in addition you choose an affinity of the source of your divine power this does not have had to have been a good celestial being this could have been a good and evil uh, a good aligned an evil aligned a law aligned a chaos aligned or a neutrality aligned deity that is uh imposing its will and right at first level you choose the source of your divine power and if you do you get you learn uh, one more additional spell depending on that choice. So if you choose good, you get cure wounds. If you choose evil, you get inflict wounds. If you choose law, you get bless. If you choose chaos, you get bane. And if you choose neutrality, you get protection from evil and good. Which is awesome. And this is added to your shortened spell list because you're a sorcerer. Go Bane every time. Yeah. Amazing and spell. Amazing spell. Bless, on the other hand. No, it's good. I uh, No, I really like... I see, st- I Bless... Try- Bane makes your DM shake his head. Bless makes your players uh Not their head? Yeah. Well, it makes them happy, I right? tried flipping, like, you know, like when you reverse strategies and try different things in D&D. Yep. I used to rock Bane all the time while our wizard would do the big blasting. I'd be concentrating on Bane to reduce the safety as well. And then switched it, like, okay, well, I'll just do Bless instead, which instead of bringing somebody down, bring somebody up a little bit. And I uh, just didn't enjoy it as much. Didn't enjoy it as much. The, the thing it is... It work as well. B- uh, when Bane goes off, it feels better. Yeah. Because that thing failed a save and thus are afflicted with, the, with your Bane. Yeah. Yeah. Bless, 
everyone is just going to accept it, whoever you're casting Bless on. So yeah. it's just a buff that you're going through, and then you're continuing with the motions. Yeah. And it's also concentration. And so I always forget about Bless as well, because the players are not going to remember. It wasn't their spell, you know, but I always forget as well. Yeah. Well, you just become that one... Uh, the cleric in the party is always the one who's reminding everyone to add their D4 for Bless yep. and curing. Yep. That's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so, and wrong. as a cleric, I did neither of those things. So. And now, as a sorcerer, <coughs> you have that cough. burden as well. I played a cleric purely so I could heal myself. Okay. Starting at level one, you are also favored by the gods. If you fail a saving throw or miss with an attack roll, you can roll 2d4 and add it to the total. 2d4. That's useful. Man, that's useful. That's useful. Um, when you use this feature, you can't use it again until a short rest or a long rest. So if you're missing by two, it's just it's just auto hits at that point, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah right. And and this is just that little push. Like if your DM goes, "Oh, you're so close," you can be like, "Well, one sec, no, I hit him." Yeah, right. Um, and I would like to point out with a lot of these type of spells, it does mention the fact that the DM and like there's a timing to it. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of that here. If the DM says you miss it, you'd be like, "Okay, well, no, I want to try." Yeah, right. Rather, like, before the final word has been said on whether or not this attacker spell fails, you can go. Nice. So, at 6th level, you get Empowered Healing, um, which means uh, Divine Energy courses through your uh, veins and empowers your spells, uh, specifically your healing spells. When you or an ally within 5 feet of you rolls a dice to uh, for, like, a healing spell... You can spend a sorcery point to reroll any number of those dice once. Nice. Yeah. What this and you can only use this feature once per turn, but you can use it as many turns as you have sorcery points for. Right. What this means is your cleric is casting a heal on somebody, and they're you know they're rolling nothing but ones. Mm-hmm. Your divine soul sorcerer walks up, and just by being near the divine soul sorcerer. That cleric gets the ability to re-roll a little bit more. Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. At fourteenth level, you get wings. Like the band or uh no, no, like you drink yeah, red bull. Nobody really um, gets wings. <laughs> uh so what kind of wings. Uh you get a pair of spectral wings that you can manifest as a ben- as a bonus action on your turn. Uh while they're present, you get a fly speed of thirty feet. That'll do. Um and they last until you're incapacitated. You die, or you dismiss them as a bonus action. And how long? And and sorry, how do you uh, how do you activate them? Uh, as a bonus action. And you get that, and it's just once per day. It's um, it, there is no limitation to it. So you wake up in the morning. Sp- uh, say you get spend that ben- bonus action. They could stick around yep. all day. Nice. So at fourteenth level, you can now fly all day. Love it. Air day. You're going to need a lot of aerial battles at that point anyway. Um, The other little point here is the affinity you choose for your divine magic uh, determines the appearance of the wings. They can either be eagle wings if you're good or law, bat wings if you're evil (laughs) or chaos, and dragonfly wings if you're neutral. Bat wings was if you're chaos? If you're chaos. Obviously. Evil or chaos. Yeah. So you get large bat-like wings. Love it. Yeah. Um, and then at 18th level, you get Unearthly Recovery, which uh, gives you the ability to uh, kind of gain some of your own health. As a bonus action, if you have fewer than half your hit points, you can regain a number of hit points equal to half your hit point maximum. Nice. That's useful. As a bonus action. 
But a lot of bonus action stuff going on here. Do you know what? I like it. Yeah. I'm this more, recharges on a long rest. I'm more and more attracted to being a sorcerer all the time, I think. Okay. So this, fairly simple for a bloodline. Like, I mean, there's there's not a whole hell of a lot going Good on here. Good introductory to spellcasting, though. Do you think? Um, definitely not. This is... Uh, you mentioned earlier that you don't like Mystic Thurges. I have always loved my characters that get, are ninth level arcane or divine casters. I love Mystic Thurges. I just hate DMing for Mystic Thurges. That's fair. Yeah, Dan this likes is Mystic Sturges. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> this is a character who could, in theory, cast a ninth level divine and a ninth level uh, arcane spell in a turn. Man, powerful. I love it. Just what? what uh, how divine? What? Uh, uh, what arcane and uh, divine spells would you choose to cast? What arcane divine spells would I choose? Uh, I mean... Wish is always useful. Time stop and then mess them up with a bunch of cleric spells. Like, I... Yeah. Um, I Off the top of my head, I don't think... I can't think of divine intervention. Time stop and divine intervention. Yeah. I'd have to think about it. What what ninth level cleric spell would be fun to just drop? Just to just draw? Yeah. yeah. But, anyways, that's the divine soul from Xanathar's. Love it. Who's going next? It was you. Me, I, think. I got wild magic. And I love this because everybody settle in. This is going to be a while. <laughs> everybody settle in. And also love- known as whatever happens whenever a wild magic player casts a that's, first level spell. That's why I love though because I love being the chaos that goes into the D and D game. Where like, I mean, I played a lot with Adam as the DM. Where he's just like, I don't know, man. Fuck, do what you're going to do. And I just like, <laughs> I just love that chaos. Uh, so wild magic, they get their um, their their powers imbued in them from some sort of. Like anomaly in nature, some sort of natural force where they'd be going through a portal and for whatever reason the power is thrown into them. I Before the Storm Sorcerer came along, I uh, had a character in, in a one-shot I played that got hers from a storm. She was struck by purple lightning or something and gave it there. I know okay. that maybe wouldn't work as much now because there's another option for that. But I like the idea of it coming straight, uh, straight from nature. Uh, so for so what's important about the the wild magic sorcerer is the wild magic surge. The wild magic surge table is at times hilarious, at times powerful. I love the fact that you can customize it. Basically, whatever happens at uh, the, once per turn, if they wish, whenever you cast a spell, the DM can ask you to roll a d20. If you roll, I believe it's a one. If you roll a one, you then roll on the wild magic table where any number of crazy things can happen. Dan, you look like you're ready to pick a couple out. I know one of them is you turn into a potted plant. Yep. Love yeah. that. There are 50 lot. options. Yeah. Uh, like basically people, for every two. You know what? Instagram's full of people adding their own as well. Yeah. Everything and, metal. And I would as well. Out. But some of these things are insane. Like if you are a first level caster and you roll that one mm-hmm. after casting, I don't know, mage armor on yourself. Yeah. To start the day and you roll the one and then you roll a nine or a ten, you immediately cast magic missile as a fifth level spell. Just I love as it. as your level one sorcerer, you cast major armor on yourself, and then you're spewing and you, magic. And missiles. you couldn't do it again if you tried. And yeah. you couldn't do it again if you tried. Um, I also I like having um, magical. So there is a idea out there um, that is exemplified in a web comic called Goblins, and it is called uh, this idea is like a magical uh, magical effect aura that happens. And whenever these guys are accessing their powers, they get this magical effect aura, like uh, one of them will glow yellow or, you know, uh, some sort of psionic thing, almost like uh, Psylocke from uh, X-Men. Right. This kind of thing will manifest when they're manifesting their abilities. I like doing that with Magic Surge as well. So uh, usually something that ties into your bloodline or your sorcerer's origin 
will also a, like a weird little sensory effect yeah. will accompany any number of these lists. Yeah. Right? Like uh, if you roll a 45 or 46 and you cast Levitate on yourself, um, there will be like this strong wind that blows up and pulls you up. And then there's this, you know, light wind that is always following you. I like the idea because people add their own in of things that will affect everybody. So uh, I had this idea of everybody shrinks like Ant-Man. Yep. And I love the idea of fighting in the wizard's tower on the wizard's table. Yeah. There's like coffee mug and stuff around, blasting <laughs> up these spells and everybody's tiny. Or if you're going to do levitate, everybody levitates. Yeah. But you're not flying, you're just levitating and everybody is so good luck there. Yeah, everyone's hovering exactly two and a half inches off the ground. I love I love those chaotic ones. Everything metal turns to wood, everything wooden turns to metal. Just do it. Just be hilarious. Yeah, I like the ones that are kind of... Uh, it depends on where you are in the game. If you're a first level, it doesn't really matter. But if you're a twentieth level, oh, yeah, it can yeah. really bite you in the ass. I like the yeah, I think, like, yeah, like the, the sixty-eight or sixty-seven, sixty-eight. You are frightened by the nearest creature until the end of your turn. Can you imagine a twentieth level sorcerer being frightened by a kobold? It's like <laughs> you like let go and you kill just about everything. But there's one little kobold left. But, but you Dan, are terrified of it. But Dan's right. It shouldn't be like. Oh, this just happens. You should, uh, you know, make a way that it seems like be creative with it. Why happens with that cobalt thing? I'd go full on Batman Begins with it. Like you see it as like some sort of terrifying beast, mm-hmm. and I put that across, and that's why you're frightened of it. Um, one of my other favorite ones is uh, for the uh, if you roll a fifty-seven or fifty-eight. Come on, what's that? <coughs> for the next minute, any flammable object you touch that isn't being worn or carried by another creature bursts into flames love it i open the door it bursts into flames i walk into the room it bursts into flames like everything bursts into flames i love it and also if you're a new dm and you have a wild magic sorcerer playing at your table just just be aware of that because you're gonna have to think on your toes a lot a lot of theater yeah. of the mind going on here. yeah that key phrase that isn't worn or carried by another person i love it by the way yeah why did you got some uh, favorite ones here terry um no i like i love the levitate one i guess i don't have favorite ones i just like to manipulate the existing ones if it's going to be levitate i would make them roll again uh and if whatever they get i would make everybody levitate or i would you know pick a random person to turn mm-hmm. into a potted plant or, or or whatever um or maybe not turn into a potted plant maybe turn into a water elemental that would be hilarious um, yeah, but I think they're all great. I love you get on Instagram. There's so many good ideas. Oh, there's one that I, I'm not a huge fan of. And What's that, that is, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Oh, 2324. You turn a vibrant shade of blue. Period. <laughs> You're just always like a remove curse spell can end that. Remove, curse. remove curse. I'd give it restoration as well. That's a restoration. That, that, happened. that means if you're a first level character and you've built a lot into your, you're a charisma caster, let's be honest. You're and building you a lot a- into your sultry tiefling caster who's slinking around the battlefield with a red skin and you you're might- trying to evoke this. And then sultry- all of a sudden it turns out and you blew yourself? Yeah, all of a sudden you blew yourself, yeah. What about if you're the human that goes blue man group? <laughs> like, really, really? <laughs> what if you're like the high elf that now looks like a tiefling? Yeah, Just right? <laughs> like, this, this could mess with a character right out the gate. So, like... <laughs> yeah. But I would kind of, as a DM, I would I would gauge the the player's interest in it. If they turn blue and they're into it, I might make it a little harder for it to go away. Mm. If they really don't like it, I would probably get away for them to remove that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, you got to kind of a remove a remove curse will remove it, but like it slowly fades over the next week. Yeah, or something like that, right? 
So what else What else do we got with uh, uh, Wild Magic Sorcerers right. here? Uh, so Tides of Chaos. So starting at first level, you can manipulate the forces of chance and chaos to gain advantage on one attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. Once you do so, you must finish a long rest before you can use this feature again. Anytime before you regain the use of this feature, the DM can have you roll on the Wild Magic Surge table immediately after you cast a sorcerer spell of first level or higher. Uh, you then regain the use of this feature. So um, basically, you just get advantage on an attack roll, ability check, or a saving throw. Attack rolls, I don't think it's going to come in too much for a sorcerer's, but ability check, saving throw. This screams to me as a multi-class. Right. You roll a rogue, and you take a single level of sorcerer. So now you're getting that sneak attack all the time, that sneak attack. Your sneak attack once per long rest. But if you go an arcane trickster rogue... And as I did... Hilarious character. You now have first level spells as well and above, and yeah. you make them roll just like anyone else mm-hmm. on that wild magic table. And if you they roll on the magic wild magic table, they get that advantage back. Yeah. Before that long rest is, comes back. So you take one level of uh, wild magic sorcerer going into rogue, and you're just hoping for that Tides of Chaos ability. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I love the Tides of Chaos ability. Love it too. What about this one? Bend look. Starting at 6th level, you have the ability to twist fate using your wild magic. When another creature you can see makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, you can use your reaction and spend two sorcery points to roll 1d4 and apply the number rolled as a bonus or penalty your choice to the creature's roll. You can do so after the creature rolls, but before any of the effects of the roll occur. It's basically bane or bless on one person. Is essentially, and you get to choose which one you're going to do. Its cost is too high. The two sorcery points? Yeah. I'm not going to use two sorcery points. Uh, no, I would that. never use this with two. However, if it was spend your reaction and get and spend one, yeah, I'd be more inclined to do it. Yeah, I'm not spending And I understand you get a lot of sorcery points. Um, you get uh, how many here by... You get basically one a level. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But at sixth level, uh, you are spending a third of your sorcery points at this point, just to... I'm cast Banner Blast on At this one point, I'm still using them on Tides of Chaos, yeah. I think. I'm still using them on the last ability. I'm not going to... Uh, it would have to be... I'd have to have a really bad feeling. It'd have to be an emergency if I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm quite a selfish player, so probably not. Uh, controlled Chaos, at 14th level, you gain a modicum of control over the surges of your wild magic. Uh, whenever you roll on the wild magic surge table, you can roll twice and use either number. I would mm-hmm. add, or both. Oh shoot! Yeah, I'd roll. I'd maybe do or both. Yeah, depending on how it went. You could roll either or both. This is a fourteenth level ability. Do you know what? I wouldn't show them what they rolled, and then I'd let them choose. You can use like left hand or right hand or both. Which one do you want? No, I I would almost say I would remove the ability to choose here. Right. I like it because it's pretty much advantage or disadvantage for your wild magic table. Yeah. 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 Either. But, like, if you're 14th level, why can't you have a little bit of fun with this and have two effects go off at once? Right. You cast Levitate on yourself and fly on a random person within 60 feet of you. Love it. You turn blue and that person sprouts wings. Yeah. Like, uh, you cast a 5th level magic missile, which at 14th level is, yeah, whatever. Or you turn blue and sprout wings. Or you turn blue and you spout, sprout blue wings. Right? <laughs> Hilarious. Or, or, like, any combination of these things. Like... Uh, butterflies and little sensory effects surround the person and uh, you go invisible and you cannot be heard either. Yeah. Right? Like, these are all things on the wild magic table. I don't see why both of these going off at the same time can't happen. I'm, I'm alright with that. And, it, you know, it seems... I know it's 14th level, but it seems a lot more powerful if you can do both. 
It just it has that some potential. Of, uh, I yeah, if everything on the wild magic table is beneficial, and not everything on this table is beneficial, but none of it's super terrible. Uh, some of it's super terrible. Some of it is super it's all, terrible. It's all uh, it's all I mean, situation based. I think if you yeah, I guess if you have like a, a verbal component, and all of a sudden for the next minute. When you try to speak, pick bubbles come floating out of your mouth. That's probably not great for you. Mm-hmm. Or if you, well, what but about I mean, if, it's just a minute. What about if you fall into the the pit below and you try and fly out and you turn yourself into a potted plant? Nobody else is there. <laughs> You're spending eternity as a potted plant. <laughs> yeah, you turn into a potted plant and cast mirror image. Oh, you know you have two potted plants. You may be inside of a gelatinous cube and you try and thunderstep or something out of there and you turn into a potted plant. You're now a potted plant inside a gelatinous cube. Or you get older. Imagine rolling double 34s or 35s. Yeah. And you roll a D10 and you uh, and you roll two nines. <laughs> you get You're six suddenly... years older and three years younger at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> would you do it? Would you change any stats for that? Would you be like, look, we're going to knock one from your decks, but add one to your wisdom or something? Uh, give them the option for it? I'd give them an option for it. I don't, I'm not sure what there is in terms of rules for aging. In the game, there's a lot of so vague. there's a lot of stuff that brings up rules for aging. Would you remember that with with Druid, where the whole thing about you age one year for every ten or something? But by that point, we were like, who cares? Yeah, it never exactly. comes up in a game. Yeah, you know. Okay, uh, spell bombardment beginning at 18th level. The harmful energy of your spell intensifies when you roll damage for a spell and roll the highest number possible on any of the dice. Choose one of those dice, roll it again, and add the roll to the damage. You can use this feature. Only once per turn. Am I just not doing good math here? Does this not seem very powerful for this 18th is level? massively powerful. Why is it massive? Because it just seems like it's not for me. Okay, so say you are... Dave, you've played 3.5. Oh, You yeah. did mention far it. Far too much. Far too much. You understand the concept of exploding dice. Ugh, far too much. So what this is, is this is 5th edition's only foray into the concept of exploding dice. And what the, what exploding dice is, what that entire thing is, is you have uh, the ability to just continuously add more and more. <coughs> Sorry, uh, continuously add more and more damage to the thing. So, say you hit someone with that. Let's go with a good old fashioned fireball. Right out the gate at third level, a fireball is going to give you eight d six fire damage. Right. With every level higher than that, it's a third level spell. So six levels of spells higher, you could get. Up to uh, another D6 per level. So you could have 14 D6 right. you're hitting things with. You're Even at 3.5, it was maximum 10. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, now, imagine you roll that. You roll 14 D6. You're going to get some sixes from that. Yeah. So you're going to get probably three. Yeah. You then grab those three sixes, and you roll them again and continue to add that damage. Right. Right? If you this roll another just, six... If you roll another six, you, you do it again. You, you do it again. Oh, hold on. Oh. No, you can only use this feature once per turn. Once per turn? Okay. So, yeah. It would only happen the once. But still, you use this feature with your big damage spells. And you are, you're adding possibly up to a third more dice to the spell. Nice. Cool. Right? This is going to No, add. you're right, actually, when I think about it like that. Yeah. yeah. No, you can only do it to one. So, even if you roll six natural sixes... Then you're still only getting to re-roll one d6. Choose one of those dice. Ah, I did not read so it. So you only get like five yeah. more. Okay, well then yes, twice. you're right. It's vastly underpowered for 18th level. But I mean, once go, per turn to go. Yeah, but still to go. Uh, okay, I caused 54 points of damage. Nope, sorry, 57. You're 18th level. All right. 
<laughs> there yeah, have no, been many right. times where that extra two or three damage has been the difference between and that, life and that's going to be the argument. I would definitely say this once per turn, you could explode all your dice. Mm. If you roll maximum, if you roll maximum on the dice, you get to explode it. It's yeah, an 18th level capstone, man. Yeah, you like, should be able to do it the way you said. Yeah, yeah. And I've said, I've argued before. I'm more much more rules is written, but in this case. It's bullshit, and I haven't heard a good argument why it should oh, be played that I, way. I, with using some DM magic, I would kind of maybe adjust a little bit so that it's not that powerful, as Dan's suggesting, because it doesn't doesn't seem like it's supposed to be that powerful. But maybe no. you get them to spend a sorcery point for every die that they want to re-roll. Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, just, when you just, pair that with, like, you can you consider this, like, 18th level capstone. The sorcerer 20th level capstone, which we never mentioned, is... Weak. It really is. You regain four sorcery points at a short rest. That's all it does. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you are gaining the ability to be able to spend a little bit of extra sorcery points to get more damage out. Because remember, this also is paired with your uh, twin spell. Right? This is also paired with your empowered spell at the same time. Right? So you could be doing a ton of damage as it is. Right? So if you're free to let your players just grab additional sorcery points and then pick up every dice that is like a sorcery point per dice sure mm-hmm. go nuts yeah yeah i just feel like you got to have some trade-off yeah in order to get yeah i hear what you're saying um but but, but that's the rules that's what it is yeah i mean if you guys can come to some agreement to change it that's fine but the overall thing i want to put across about wild magic is you got to just prepare for absolute chaos this this yeah. this sorcerer's origin just embraces chaos is what's going to be happening unpredictable chaos and you just got to think on on your feet and deal with it and that's not just the dm that's the other players as well you're essentially saying to your party hey look i can be very powerful at times but i don't know what's going to happen man i'm rolling on a random table which we're probably going to sub things in and out every time you get one it'll put something else in uh yeah my only other problem with the wild magic sorcerer is there are too many gates for the fun to happen you have to cast a first level spell so this doesn't go off on cantrips and you're a sorcerer you get more cantrips than any other class so you have to roll a first level or higher spell. And then with that rolling of a first level or higher spell, you are rolling a d20. And if you roll a natural one on that d20, only then are you allowed to roll on the wild magic table. I would increase those chances. I would say if you roll five or lower. Yeah. If you roll odd. If you roll, grab a percentile and roll under 50. Or Honestly, something. I would do it like a hit and miss. If you're successful, you don't. If you're unsuccessful, you do. Because let's be completely honest as well. Like the wild magic table you mentioned is Mostly beneficial stuff. It can be. Fun stuff, right? So you are rolling a wild magic sorcerer to roll on the wild magic table. And it is far too hard to get on that table. Yeah. Because you get at first level, right out the gate, you are able to cast two first level spells. So once per long rest, you get two chances to roll a natural one on a d20 per in-game day. I would maybe do it. Every time you finish a long rest, you have to roll on a table. And this table determines how your wild magic surge kicks in. So it might be because you just gave me some ideas that day. Oh, I've just woken up my long rest. Perfect. Roll on this table. You roll the seven. Every time you roll an odd number, we're going to roll on the wild magic table. Every time you roll five or lower, we're going to roll them. So every day it can be different. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the players will really like that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I think, again, it just adds to that chaotic nature of the, of the wild magic yeah. sorcerer. Love it. Yeah, just to go back to what I was saying about... Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Dave. Yes, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Lore. Dave, the war is over. Terry, we're, we're talking Terry about why did we choose the intern? <laughs> I mean, we could have called Brad. We could have called 
Oh, that's what it is. God damn it, Dan. <laughs> you get room and board and two meals a day, okay? Uh, going back He's to He's working the, for that third. Go, going back to that pass-fail. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the idea that if, if you're throwing this magic out from inside you, which is what the sorcerer really is, and, and it needs that target. It needs to be absorbed by something. So if you hit your target and it works, great. But if you miss and you screw it up, that's when it comes back to you. Like it, mm. that magic has to go somewhere. You can't just be like cast yeah, your yeah. spell and just it just fizzles into nothing. Yeah, you know it's something. You know every action has to have an opposite and equal yeah. reaction. Yeah, you know that's that's what I like about it. Sure, cool. I like that as well. Actually, I think it can work. I'll put that on my table. Oh, yeah, love it. Guys, that's me, unless there's anything else you guys want to add to Wild Magic Sorcerer that I no, think I, of. I, I do like Wild Magic Sorcerers. I have a Wild Magic Sorcerer at one of the tables I play, and we have lots of fun with it. But um, I don't know. There's, there's one more in this book, so uh want to try to... Yeah, I got uh, Draconic Bloodlines. The Draconic Bloodline, it comes from... It's right in the name, guys. You have Dragon Blood Drake. in you somewhere. Okay. Uh, maybe Great Granddaddy was a bard. And got busy with the dragon. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Yeah. Someone climbed that mountain finally. Someone someone made the legend that all bards aspire to. Right? Uh, the the, the <laughs> idea that I kind of was thinking about that I liked was uh, maybe as a child you were incredibly sick and the only way to cure you <laughs> was to, was to you give you be. dragon blood or something like that. If you're seducing dragons, you are incredibly sick. But, but I like the idea of, of having the magic, that, but you didn't really want it. Yeah, you, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and this is where I like from the Draconic Bloodline. Can I can I just say if you're playing a Dragonborn Sorcerer? Yeah, come on, guys! Like, <laughs> you have to. You have to. You're not a divine soldier. Uh, draconic. You're not a divine soul. Uh, Dragonborn Sorcerer. I like. This is double dipping. Yeah, <laughs> I like the Dragonborn Sorcerer though. That's not Draconic Bloodline, but everybody assumes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Did you just assume my sorcerer's origin? Or the better one, the dragonborn that is a different type of dragon. Yeah. So you have like the copper dragon that's sitting there spewing fireball breath. That's interesting. I like yeah. that. Uh, the what you get with the draconic bloodline uh, at first level is dragon ancestor. You get to pick which color of dragon that that gave you the <coughs> yeah that gave you the, the so just like blood. Dan said you might be copper but you got it from a black dragon or something. yeah yeah and this will come into play in a couple of the other later abilities but also at first level you pick the color uh, you become literate and draconic uh, if you're interacting with dragons you can add your proficiency bonus or you can double your proficiency bonus when you're rolling to interact with dragons okay now does this include dragonborn uh, are they dragon they get draconic. They're dragonborns. Mm -hmm. I would imagine you can humanoid. speak with them, but it's it says specifically dragons. They're not dragons, they're humanoids. Cool. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and then at you also at first level get draconic resilience, which your max hit points increase by one, and that stacks up every level. So you get this rate from level one. By the time you hit level twenty, you've added twenty hit that's points. That's amazing. Which is big for a that's sorcerer. That's good. It's good. I mean, yeah. it's really good. Good. It's, good. Yeah. You pair this with toughness, and you are D eight. Yeah, like it, it's it's um, it makes you far more hardy than any wizard ever will be. Yep. Yeah. And I also like this starting at first level with Draconic Resilience. If you're not wearing any armor, your AC is 13 plus dex. Oh, is wow. that where this comes up? Yeah. Who would have thought? 
I mean, I, I know Mage Armor does something similar. But you can double dip on that. That'd be nice. No, you can't double dip on that. No? This one says your EAC becomes 13 plus dexterity when you aren't wearing armor. The Mage Armor says your AC becomes 13 plus dexterity modifier. Mm-hmm. Oh, does it? Yeah. You can't double dip, unfortunately. What? They don't add. This isn't 3.5. My 3.5 is showing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, so we put my three and a half away. <laughs> oh, my God. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, at I thought, six I, was level, I thought we were safe from that this episode. <laughs> at six level, you get elemental affinity, uh, which is when you're... Your ancestry comes into play. Uh, the, the color that you pick starts becoming a little more useful. You get to add your charisma damage. Uh, <laughs> your charisma modifier. Your charisma modifier to damage of that type. So you're doing, uh, say you're a gold dragon, you're doing fire damage. You get to add your charisma modifier to that fire damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. You know, you're doing lightning damage. You get to add it to lightning damage. It goes hand in hand. I like it. It's quick. It's simple. Cool. And you get it. At 6th level, I think that's a great spot. Yeah, it's a good time yeah. to do it. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, you can also spend one sorcery point to gain resistance of that type, but it lasts for one hour. I love this. Uh, yeah. It's cheap, and mm-hmm. it works. I w- was playing a game a little while ago, and I had res- you know resistance to fire, and like it just... It just it's, makes sense. It makes oh, you're going to fight the sense. red dragon. Oh, it, it does. We, is he in there? Boom. Let's go. Right? Anyone else? Nope. So I mean, you can kind of, and it doesn't require concentration. It's uh, got a cheap gate to get into it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at fourteenth level, you get dragon wings, which are very similar to your celestial wings you got with your. Device. Except they're uh, dragons. Dragons wings. wings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, do they are they from your dragon uh, ancestry though? Your your bloodline. So would they be black if your draconic bloodline comes from a black dragon? Or I would imagine. I mean, it doesn't say specifically, but it flavored as you want the one thing i am now just noting reading this the celestial divine soul wings state you gain a fly speed of 30 yeah yeah this is it's your movement speed this is your movement speed Ooh. so if your movement speed 60 feet you can fly 60 feet like if you got mobile feet or something yeah. yeah 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 i love it i also love the idea of a white dragonborn sorcerer with red dragon with red wings but whatever <laughs> uh you can create and dismiss them as bonus actions uh like the other ones yep uh, I, the thing that I liked in it is it says specifically uh, you can't manifest wings if you have armor or cl- that isn't made to accommodate them. Uh, if you're wearing clothing, say you've got an expensive cloak or whatever, yeah. and they're not, it's not made to accommodate wings, it will rip them apart. Your shirt will come off. Love it. Just rip straight through. Hulkamania. Yeah. Right? So I, they're neat. They're a little simple. I, I, I don't like wings like flying solves so many environmental issues in the game it does but it seems weak to go from sixth level to what is it 18th level 14th with only having wings in the middle well you you get you get your normal sorcerer abilities at the same time as you're going through here aerial combat and i like that and and all of well yes i love it I um, do too, but a lot of people don't use aerial combat. Well, this shit, Dave. I, I agree. Especially as a sorcerer. 
with draconic. You now wealth. have you now have wings. You are now flying up 115 feet yeah. above the battlefield, throwing down fireballs. You are doing what Terry loves, casting enlarge on yourself, swooping down with your dragon wings, picking up that person, yeah. flying up and letting go, letting go of them, and then landing on top of them, and then <sighs> jumping on top of them. I guess, right? Like I, the wings are so powerful if used well. They are also game-breaking if used way too well. Or if a DM is not in some way, shape, or form accounting for them or... or if they're just them. not prepped for wings. Right? Like, I, I have done full dungeon crawls with someone playing a variant tiefling that gets wings at first level. Hilarious. Right? It's it's hilarious, but okay, well, you guys have to cross this chasm. Okay, well, we'll just give the rope to... Um, to, to to the chiefling and yeah, you're I mean, you got to think outside your feeler, but that's when I just send down a lot of imps or something like that. Right? Oh yeah, no, yeah, he lands on the other side and gets attacked by uh, cloakers. No, that's yeah. when. How much rope do you have? Fifty feet. Oh guys, it's sixty oh, feet across. It was fifty-four uh. feet. <laughs> <laughs> that says five zero on your sheet. Nope. It's uh, italics. Uh, at eighteenth level, the draconic bloodline gets draconic presence, uh, which you have to use five sorcery points to use. Uh, I'm sorry. Five, five, five. Four. That is a uh, that is more than a quarter of your sorcery points at this level. Uh, it, yeah. Well, I mean, you get twenty, so it is a quarter. Mm-hmm. At this level, it's eighteen, so it's more than a quarter. Not quite 18, a quarter, but it's five out of twenty. Come on, dude. That's true. Sorry, <laughs> I'm an intern. I'm still learning. Uh, as an action, you can exude aura of awe or fear. Uh, it's got a sixty foot range. It lasts a minute, or when your concentration fails. And if the creature you cast it on is successful, it won't work on them for 24 hours. I freaking hate this. Say that again. What happens? <coughs> you have to say it again. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. So, here's the reason why I hate it. You are an 18th level spellcaster. Yes. You are going to spend a quarter of your expendable pool. Give or take. Give or take. To gain a fear effect, which by 18th level... 90% of your players are immune to. By, by 18th level, everything's frightened of everything else on the battlefield. So. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a game throwing throwing fireballs with and, giant dragon wings. And yeah. you have to maintain concentration on it, which means you cannot cast any spells that have concentration. Which is a lot at that point. Which is a ton. Yeah. And on top of all of it, for one minute, each hostile creature has a uh, saving throw for Charmed or Frightened. I like the Charmed, but again, a lot of things are going to be immune to Charmed at this point. If they succeed, they're immune to it for 24 hours. I mean, I I know that kind of matches with uh, the normal Frightful Presence of a Dragon. Yeah, a dragon, yeah. But, like, this this seems weak for an 18th level ability. And, like I've said with a lot of, a lot of the other things with Sorcery Points, the gate, the cost for this ability is far too high. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, especially when you're looking at how cheap some of the meta magic feats are, <laughs> right? You know, you can cast most of them for five. You can cast literally all of them for five. Yeah. No, I mean, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm with you. Uh, like, this should be one. Honestly, for an 18th level, this should be one, maybe two points. I can yeah, understand say, two points. Yeah, two, yeah, because you're going right? to have a lot of social points at that point. But yeah. but super situational as well, right? Like you you blow that two sorcery points out of a what, sixty not, foot aura of charm. That's I'm not, impressive. I'm not going to use it though. Uh, the, I, well, maybe this right situation, in the right but it's situational. 
They say, I don't want situational. What's that, 18th level? That's not your capstone ability, right? Oh, it was no, it's, it's, it is the bloodline. It is the sorcerer's origin capstone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I don't want something situational for for the capstone. I want something that I can drop, and it's going to be effective um, all of the time. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I didn't mind it up until that point. Yeah. Guys, any last ones on the Draconic Bloodline there before we move on? No, I mean, it, it, it's the it's the go-to. It's the traditional. That is what sorcerers kind of started off as, is Draconic Bloodline sorcerers. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's, it is the traditional. We've noticed a lot with, as we've been doing these uh, class overviews we've noticed a lot of them have like the stereotypical the um they have the stereotypical the weird and the um the one that lets you be the opposite a little bit more yeah right yeah. Or, or something along those ones so this is the stereotypical yeah right um it it makes sense i love it your draconic Bloodline sorcerer is going to be the guy who casts the fireball into that room of uh, full of spider webs. But that's what we expect, and that's yep. really the only thing we expect. Yep. <laughs> yep, you would, hey Dave. Yep, yep. And that's happened to two out of three of the people at this table. So, ah, uh, it happened to one of the people at this table. Oh, yeah, he got out. It you it, got out when you cast. It him, happened right? from one other person well, at this table. Very first always. time I ever played. Okay. You're welcome. Welcome All right, the game, bitch. we're moving on. Before we do move on, before we go on to topic three and we start talking about creative builds, um, we want to do a shout-out. And Dave, I believe you had a shout-out that you would like to do for some people out there. Uh, yeah. I, <clears throat> yes. Uh, as most of you know already, I don't think I've said it too much, uh, I come from a 3.5 background. Yep. And I want to shout-out uh, my buddy Justin. Uh, he's my DM on Wednesdays, and he has done a wonderful job introducing me to 5th edition. And he's kind of rekindled uh, my love of playing the game. I've been a forever DM, forever, uh, and I was able to sit down and play again. And awesome. he's really, you know, helped me. I've met him. He's a good guy. He is. He's, he's creative, too. and he tells a great story. He's a natural storyteller, so mm-hmm. it's it's nice to see because that's something that I wasn't very good at. I was more combat yeah. heavy, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, Justin, yay, cool. nice, thanks, Justin. I'm moving on, and uh, just in time for that shout-out, so... Oh, nice segue. <laughs> See, Dan, his name is Justin, but I was creating urgency in the podcast by okay. using his name to make a joke. I get it. Okay, thanks moving Thanks for explaining it to moving me. Moving on to topic three, creative builds. Um, when, we'll roll in a second, but we're going to talk about how to use archetypes creatively, how to counter stereotypes, if that's a point you want to put across, some unique character flavor, and then after that, right at the end, as always, each of us will bring a single new creative idea for a character. Grab a die... I want the black one, please. Dave, you can choose any one. I got 13. Dan got 10. Dave got 9. So that's the same word. T-Money, what you got? T-Money. I want to talk about how to use archetypes creatively, but at the same time, how to counter stereotypes. And I'll talk about the archetypes first. So you, you may have your, like... Your Scarlet Witch type sorcerer, like just completely chaotic, and all of this power is coming out of them. And you kind of usually have that angry sort of teenager is kind of a good, um, a good go to for a sorcerer. But I think if you find one thing about them and and you flip it, you can use archetypes creatively. So you may have the the angry teenager that's um, that really reluctant to have their powers. I think Dave, you said that before. And what about the person that doesn't want to have the power, but it keeps coming out of them because it's sorcerer power. So all you need to do 
to make something a little bit more creative is choose one element about them and just flip it on its head or reverse it or adjust it away from what people are expecting but keep everything else the same. If you want to play an archetype type character. If you want to counter a stereotype, that's when I go into much more detail on the on the character sheet. Here's, here's It takes a little bit of time, but I would build a standard archetype type character for a sorcerer, look at all of the traditional things that you see and then go through one at a time and start to flip them on their head. So you don't need to have the the roaming hermit motor, murder hobo um, sorcerer that's full of all this natural power and whatever. You can make them a noble, flip that on their head, and you can have that their power is well known. You can have that they it may be viewed as a curse, not a gift. It's well known that they, your Elsa's yeah they, they, exactly Elsa is a sorcerer. Ex Dan. Perfect. That's I have two daughters. Oh, I'm yeah, allowed no. to reference Frozen. But that's I, I great, right? Yeah. She tries to hold it in, and she's known in, in high esteem, and people know she has this power. They tell her not to use this power. We have to hide it. And then let it go, let it go. I that's am one with the, the wind melody. and snow. That's not the melody I didn't, at all. No, that was it. No, that's, that was that's it. not the melody at all. How does it go? Uh, I'm not singing on this podcast. It's not happening. <laughs> I thought that was it. Was it? No. Dave, Dave no. was that it? I have no idea. I do not have daughters. <laughs> so, so that is, is really uh, what I wanted to put across with, with how we can adjust things is you have to be quite structured with it. You write out a regular, traditional, stereotypical character and then go around the boxes in the character sheet and start to flip it on his head and you will start to get something a little bit more creative. And then all of a sudden, you go away from Negasonic Teenage Warhead and you get Elsa. Love it. Yeah, I like it. Who's next? Uh, for, I guess, yeah, that was me on the list. Um, honestly, man, like, I love the idea of throwing in and injecting unique character flavor into any sort of character you do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sorcerers are really ripe for this because your spells manifest in any way, shape, or form that you kind of wish them to. There's a lot of freedom given to you to describe how your spells are manifesting themselves. Now, um, you could go the Scarlet Witch route and cast uh, Catapult, which is a spell in D&D &D 5e. I love that spell. Which I love, but it's basically all Scarlet Witch does in the Marvel MCU movies is grab things and throw them across the room like she's some sort of Jedi. No, she's reality-altering mutant. Let's... Nah. But you see, every time she does that, there's this flare of this red energy that is yeah. throwing them, right? Have the same thing with your... Have that unique flavor. Um, I had a character uh, in one of my groups build a wild magic sorcerer who... Um, every single time he manifests or casts a spell, he did it through song. And so he would have to play this family inherited song in order to access his magical ability mm. right and his magical ability came through this song he was an inheritor background and the inheritance was the song the song itself is magical he has no magic powers in and of himself he just knows the secret of the song right right and that's how his wild magic pours out and i love that and I would encourage players and DMs out there to work together to build in really unique ways that spells are being manifested. Yeah, I think it, this is another class where be very open with your DM. Talk to them about what you're thinking. This is one you can get really creative with. Yeah, right? This is this is the one where you're casting Magic Missile and it spells your name in the air before it hits. Or something <laughs> along those lines, right? Like, and everybody stops and watches it go around like a big signature. Yeah. And, it hits. yeah. and I hope your name's not Charity Flanagan of the North Carolina Flanagans because that's going to be... <laughs> 
spinning forever <laughs> before it hits. I like the idea of the delayed magic missile that just types out an entire paragraph for something, like Star Wars style at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> and then two turns later, it hits. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot, bam! <laughs> I love it. Um, but there are so many interesting options. You as a player can kind of just have fun with this, right? And all it is is flavor. Nothing will impact the spell, right? The spell is going to be the spell is going to be the spell every single time. Yeah. This just adds the flavor. That adds a little bit of added burst that will really give you an idea of your character. Because, you know, your wizard's going to sit there and they're going to grab chalk and they're going to draw the runes on the ground and they're going to mutter themselves through their books and be generally bookish weird nerds with their odd, you know, oddly powerful cat. Mm Mm-hmm. But you have the opportunity to be that guy who comes in and is like, no, man, every single time I cast a spell, I emit an odor, depending on what school the spell is. <laughs> it's fireball. It's just like sulfur. It, it, it smells like I love farts. the smell of fireball like in the morning. Yeah, yeah right? Like your, your fireball smells like napalm, yeah. right? Um, like you could have these weird sensory effects with them. And no matter what it is, even if you're a dragon, uh, like a draconic bloodline dragon, uh, sorry, sorcerer. You can do this, right? Mm-hmm. Have, you know, every time you cast a spell, if you are a blue dragon uh, bloodline, have little sh- shots of electricity form and go. Mm-hmm. Not enough to do electricity or lightning damage, but enough to, like, I don't know, maybe make the hair stand on and or, or just give one of those annoying static shocks to everybody that you touch. Yeah, right? Or just <laughs> charge up magic items, whatever yeah, you call and, them. And yeah, and that's actually a good point. These... Uh, effects don't necessarily even have to happen while you are casting spells. They could just be part of you. Yeah. Right? You're walking along, you're having a social encounter, and because you're a hypercharged blue dragonborn, uh, or sorry, blue draconic bloodline sorcerer, you're giving annoying little shocks. Oh, right? You're a wild magic sorcerer, and you're walking along. Nature's giving you this power, and every step you take, uh, like weeds start to grow or or the grass is just greener in that spot. So what about just one damage to everybody you touch? What about that for a lonely life? Then you're rogue. Mm. You just seep a hit point out of them every single time you touch them. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Anyways, Dave, what you got? I found that most people just kind of like stick to a sorcerer and play a sorcerer. Uh, it, a lot of other classes... Fighter, barbarian, it's really easy to cross class into others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sorcerer, once yeah. you're in it, you're kind of in it. You're in it. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of branching off into other classes as well. I'm do you, sorry. Did you, you hear this? I'm sorry. You you too are a multi-class hole. No, I'm not. Not normally. But I think with this. No, no, no. Embrace it. No. Don't Go with it. it. Don't touch me. Let let it let it Don't fill let your heart with you. joy. Don't let's awful. Stop you. stroking my shoulder <laughs> okay what are we multi-classing with uh you know you could do just about anything uh, I not was, barbarians no i was thinking with the no probably not <laughs> i read well there goes all your spells bye no that's what jamie did he he uh multi-class sorcerer and barbarian. oh yeah i guess it worked quite well actually <laughs> yeah how would that affect your armor class um, um, on armor defense, you're not, you'd go you you go with whatever's the higher total. So that would actually be. And I mean, what it means is he, when you rage, you are raging, and you're was, a melee powerhouse. But, yeah, he was on armor defense, so he wasn't wearing armor. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I like that. Uh, I was thinking that if you got into the draconic bloodlines, you could kind of use the dragon that gave you your power as your warlock sugar daddy. Uh, work that in there somehow. Sure. Uh, yeah. Pretty much the only thing I wouldn't cross class with is wizard because I feel like there's a natural 
butting of heads there. Mm-hmm. They're they're not the same. Yeah, and, and well, I don't think they. Could I be. don't know if I'd hear maybe someone has a creative background why somebody who was naturally imbued with magic would need to study it to use it. Like it doesn't seem to make sense. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that one. Wizard and wizard sorcerer kind of feels weird, and also makes you very multiple. Uh, like and if you combine the words there. wizard and sorcerer, it kind of sounds like Worcestershire. Nobody can say that. So <laughs> I'll be playing a level seven. Worcestershire. 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 Okay, let's go. Okay, should we do? Are you done, Dave? Oh, sure. Should we do creative builds? Sure. Unique creative builds. That's mine. No, you How dare you? Mine's the black one. What did I get? Nine. 19. In the box, Dan. Jesus, fuck. Damn it, Dan. Where'd it go? Now we've lost it. We've lost it. I gotta use a different dice. Now we've lost it. A two. 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 Three. Three. Oh, side note before we move on. When I was playing in the the, the, the Tuesday night group, but the Dave also plays it. And Justin. And Justin. Did you see the point where I tried to roll two dice into my dice box one at a time and they both flew out? Yes. I lost one. Knew I'd lost it, couldn't find it, and I was so embarrassed that I did that on my first night at that table. Just left it there. It's somewhere <laughs> in the apartment. It was so bad. It was like right in front of me, and I just like 90 degrees threw it off to the side. <laughs> Rolled another one that then fell onto the floor. Somebody at the table, I forget who pointed out where it was to me, but I knew there was another one over like by the dog, like 10 feet away. And I was like, I'll just leave that one. Fantastic. Anyway. Okay. All right, Terry, what's, what's this unique build? Oh, about? it was me going first? Yeah. Okay, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Maybe it's not too unique, but I added some my own sort of unique things. The, the the I love the idea of the sorcerer, the natural power that just keeps growing and growing and growing, and it can't be controlled to the point where it can't be controlled. Work with the DM on this. The other characters don't necessarily need to know this is the case. It can come from the character's background, where something they are wearing or some spell is on them is preventing this power from getting. It's kind of like Jean Grey in Phoenix. In the Phoenix, that's how I'm looking at it. Um, it's, it's preventing this power from escaping, but it may be something that can take damage. So it may be something that they're wearing, and it's it's you know the other characters don't necessarily know why every time this person gets hit. They're getting more and more irate, or they're getting more and more worried because it may be something they're wearing is being damaged, and once it's gone. Boom, they just go. They go full Phoenix style. You can even talk to your DM at the start. They may want you to be the big bad at the end. They mm. may want this power to come out and get more and more chaotic. They may want you, Dan, you talked about earlier about the environment around you starting to change. And the other characters may not know why it's happening. Where the like almost like regional effects. Like if you're close to a dragon's lair. Why is this happening? Why is this storm seemingly following us? Or why is, you know, the temperature increasing or something mm-hmm. like that? Uh, but I love the idea of power that is being contained but doesn't want to be contained and something um, is going to be getting damaged or maybe you have to pray or something every night to try and get divine help. Uh, But I love the idea of the power which is getting too strong and is eventually going to come out and maybe you will be the big bad. Cool. What you got, Dave? Uh, I... I know we've already talked about it, but I, going back to my... If you say 3.5, Dave. No, Draconic Bloodlines. <laughs> In 3.5, no. Um, with the Draconic Bloodlines, I really like the idea of the Dragonborn Dragon Draconic Bloodline. Love it. That just... Sorry to snipe you earlier there, bud. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's all right. I, I really like it. it. It just creates a strange dynamic mm-hmm. uh, where you can... Are be... you running a different bloodline than your type of Dragonborn? You would have to, to yeah. stay unique. Um and I just I think it's it's fun. 
in our Tuesdays, I'm doing a Triton Barbarian. That's a Storm Herald. That's right. And through all of that, I have resistance to cold and fire. And I, I like that. That that makes it so that every time the DM throws something at me, I'm like, well, actually, was it lightning or poison? No. Acid? No. <laughs> I'm good. You know? It's it just, I, I, I like how you can kind of stack and stack and stack, you know, keep a theme yeah. to it while still being true to what you want to do. Cool. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I like it. I like it. Dan? Okay. So, I've already mentioned one of the unique builds, and this was my... Uh, Kudos to Brad, who's been on the podcast. Thanks, Brad. The, the clueless game master. Um, he is the one who rolled up this halfling character who yes. is an inheritor whose family is gifting this song, and his spells all are embodied by this song. I love this type of character. Um, and it got me thinking, and this is the one I'm going to put through on the table today. Way back in the day, you built something called the Trip Willy deck, mm. Terry. This was a magic item. Well, Adam did. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you and Adam worked together on this one. Trip uh, Willy? A Trip Willy deck. Yes. Trip as in Trip that so, guy Willy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. um, and one of the big thing, cool things about this deck is you would pull out a card and say a magic word mm-hmm. and the effect of the card would happen. And I figure, what if your sorcerer powers, your abilities, your everything else, um, the, the verbal components are... A mundane, everyday word. And every single time you ca- say that word, that spell is going to cast. Oh, God. So now as you're leveling up your character, you have to do this with a... Probably an experienced player who is going to know how to roleplay a little bit better. Yeah. Because there are words you're avoiding yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in everyday conversation, lest you accidentally unleash a fireball. I'll make it really simple. I would, I would have it as the word fire. Do not say fire. Yeah, right. Like a- you you hit fire and you cast a firebolt, right? <laughs> you you say ball and you cast a fireball. It's not what I was expecting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, cast in large. You you cast you cast big, or or sorry, you say the word size and all of a sudden you change depending. Yeah. Right. Like now your character's sitting there and you're a high charisma. Pastor. Mm-hmm. You are someone who is supposed to be good in social situations. It's and like, you walk up and be like, hey, uh, that that it's that hot thing over there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's uh, just can, such an idiot. Uh, well, can, you should have it that like your character has like it plays it off as like long-term memory loss or something like that. Or something. <laughs> or every time you level, you tell your DM what spells you want to cast. You choose your spells, but he chooses the word, and now you have to discover what the word is. I would never do that with Adam as my DM. Never with Adam as the DM because he's wordy. Wordy and definitely... Well, he wouldn't do, He wouldn't choose like nouns or... or I would say or, the word has something to do with that ability. Like if you said the word jump, which is a verb, you get, you know, the spell jump is cast. Yeah. Right? Even if you say the word see, you would cast darkness. Something like that. Because you would... How many times do players say, like, can I see him? Yeah. 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 I, I love it. I, I And then you have this character who's sitting there and like choosing their words very, very carefully. I would love it. And when they're level 20, they're mute. They're not. They're done just, trying. Just, they're yeah. like, they're like, guys. <laughs> just pointing. Thing. <laughs> thing. There. thing I'm sorry. There. Did you say thing? <laughs> guys, Wall of fire. Thing there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love that. And that just adds to the chaos. That's great. Cool. Okay. Anything else that anybody wants to add to anybody's unique uh, character build there before we move on to the end? No, man. I I, I love sorcerers. Like I said, they're one of my favorite classes. I love, I, 
I got no beef with sorcerers. I had zero. The, be- I'm very minor with a couple of class things. The only it. thing I really dislike about this entire thing is in the Draconic Bloodline how they don't get a breath weapon. That's my only big complaint. Yeah, I feel like they should have a breath weapon. And I love the yeah, I love the idea of, of like, Dragonborn. Oh, but I love the idea of like a halfling having a breath weapon. That Isn't Terry it? has just said he loves the idea of something small yeah. having a power. It's a bizarre world. Chaos is truly <laughs> being enabled here. It's a regional effect of playing sorcerers. <laughs> All right, team. Well, that's it. That is it for this week's episode on sorcerers. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. And make sure to check us out on next week's episode when we are covering... Dan? Wizards. Wizards! That's right! I forgot it was wizards, but I'm excited about wizards as well. I mean, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Beer on the floor. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. I'm getting sick of the of the the trope. That, that nerds, all we know and all we understand is nerdy stuff and we don't know things out about popular culture. And some people say, and I still can't believe it, that we don't know anything about women. So I'm going to... No, that still tracks. It still tracks. <laughs> with 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 at least two of the three people in this room. So I'm going to ask three of you, the three of you, the, the, the three of us, uh, well, both of you, three questions that I know definitely all women know and most people understand pop culture and I want to see if you know the answer. Okay, to I just questions. have one quick contention to this. Sure. Because being a nerd is quickly becoming the pop culture. Mm. It is becoming the frontline culture. That's right. Um, if not by the time this episode is released, yeah. the mainstream culture by some way, shape, or form. You have big name A-list celebrities playing Dungeons & Dragons openly. Sure. Right? Like, I, I, I would say, like, we don't know the no, I'm the traditional pop I'm culture. I'm saying we're breaking out of the tropes, though. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. You okay, guys can answer questions? these in... There's only three. You guys can answer these in any order. I've had outside help for these. Okay. I was proud to say that I actually already knew the answers to these questions. Question number one. What is a Manolo Blahnik? I have no idea. Uh, uh, say it one more time. So what is a Manolo Blahnik? It sounds French. It does sound... Manolo Blahnik. Uh, oh... Uh, it is, I want to say, uh, cause, uh, uh, I'm, I'm placing it close to colonic and I'm like, <laughs> is it some sort of medical procedure? Uh, it'd be pretty shitty. Okay. Dan thinks of as a medical procedure. <laughs> Into Dave, any guesses? Uh, a French wine? I, I, I don't know. Both very far off. I would argue that Dave is slightly closer. It is a, uh, fancy shoe. Manolo Blahnik's a very, uh. Fancy shoes up there with like Christian Louboutin and Jimmy Choo. I was super I, happy I don't that know I what those are either. <laughs> shoes. I, I was super happy the other day because I found a deal on at Walmart for a pair of shoes and I got them for fifteen bucks and I was super jazzed about it. I'm like, yes, new pair of shoes for the next four months. Well, I have everyday shoes and outdoor boots. We'll add some. Uh, we'll, add, we'll add some zeros to that, Dan, and you can afford a pair of Manolo Blahniks. Okay. So, so how much do they go for? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Great. Hundreds. Cool. Um, question number two. Can you name four Kardashians and I will accept Jenner's? Okay. Uh, uh, between us or individually? 
Uh, well, if one goes and gets them right, then the other... There's the one that David Schwimmer played in the OJ People, People versus OJ Simpson thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, well, you have to name... I won't give him the name, but I won't give the name uh, away. Because yeah. he was a Jenner, right? Or was he a... Car- no, he was no, Kardashian. No, yeah, he was OJ's lawyer. I'm so out with this specific uh, Rob? part. Rob? Of- yeah, there's Rob. There's Chloe. Kim. Kim. Does Kanye count? North Kardashian. Or is not, it Northwest? It's Northwest. Well, West is... Yeah, Northwest. Okay. West is their last name. Kanye West. Chloe? I said Chloe. Courtney? Yeah. Courtney. Yeah. So yeah. You, said, you guys said Chloe, Courtney, Courtney Kim, Kim, and Rob Kardashian. That is correct. No Jenners. Nobody lent on that. Well, there's, there's, there's Caitlyn Jenner. Um, Bruce. Bruce Jenner. Kate. I'm not. <laughs> this is a rocky road we're going down here. But, but there's also there's Chris there's Chris Jenner. That's their mom, right? Yeah, but you said there's Caitlyn Jenner and there's Bruce Jenner. We're not allowing the two. We're not allowing the former <laughs> identity. No, the former no. identity could not be allowed as a okay, second. We're gonna be person. up to like eight Jenners by now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question for you guys. Um, <laughs> what is microblading? Oh, it's your eyebrow thing. Oh, yeah. Dave, got so yeah. That, that's I should have let Dan answer. That's as much as I know. Yeah, it's the eyebrow thing. Well, micro, like a, microblading is like a tattooing process, isn't it? That's correct. You guys, yeah, think that very well. Um, I two reasons why I know this. One, um, you I have, have I have well, I have a wife, um, and I also have incredibly blonde eyebrows, mm. and my wife has multiple times whenever we pa- pass a place that is like advertising microblading. Sits there and goes, oh, we should get that done for you. And I'm like, no, no I will look like, like a freak. real good Viking look, though. I you, do. Yeah. I do. And, like, I got to respect the fact that I always look shocked because I don't have eyebrows. Yeah, that's true. I've never noticed that before because I'm not very perceptive. Yeah. And neither are my D&D characters. But I'll <laughs> no, we'll see that. Did, is the, are those the three questions? That's the three yeah. questions, yeah. You guys did. We did all right. Okay. You got one out of three. And I, I didn't expect you to get any, to be honest. So we'll say C. C's get degrees. See, C's do de- get degrees. I'm into it. 